Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Coach Chiesa coming up here momentarily. Gordon, we'll get his thoughts on uh, what's going on with the NBA offseason. And uh, we'll also get his, his thoughts on what we saw in the playoffs. In fact, let's get out to The Zone phone. Joining us now, former Utah Jazz assistant coach and our good friend, Coach Gordy Chiesa. What's going on, Coach? Well, hello, Gordon. Hello, Gordy. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Everybody well, Gordy? How are you? I am uh, no, I am well, and hopefully everybody in your house is well. And all the jazz fans out there are just uh, trying to navigate through this uh, uncertainty. You said it, man. Well said. So, Coach, I'm uh, curious to get your thoughts because Gordon and I were just talking about this. There's a, a report out there in this wild off season. There's a report out there that the salary cap uh, could go down between three million and twelve million dollars. So that's quite a wide gap. But uh, but what what kind of impact is that going to have on the league this offseason? Well, dramatically impact, which means from a player's point of view, there'll be less money involved. But I do think that they're going to keep it uh, a cap freeze at $109 million, which was last year. It was supposed to be 115 because of the pandemic and the loss of uh, revenue dramatically. They're probably going to keep it at 109 which means, in layman's term, the mid-level exception stays at 9.3, and the biannual exception stays at 3.6. Now, in jazz basketball, let's parlay it to that. It involves, say, Jordan Clarkson. So Jordan Clarkson would be a classic example of, one, the jazz have to resign, and two, for how much money. And so with the salary cap being oh, just technically being 109, that, and the jazz very fortunately have uh, Jordan Clarkson's bird rights, which means that they can go over to Sally Cap to resign him. So that's a good thing that if it stays at 109, the Jazz are in good shape of trying to resign players like Jordan Clarkson. So, Gordy, will you explain that to our listeners? How does that work? If they go over to, to keep him, then what, is that, what effect does that have on the rest of their maneuverability? No, it does not because okay. they have his bird rights. But the other guys, they did, like, say, also have the rights for uh, Emmanuel Moutier. So the way it's simply is that when you have someone's bird rights, you can go over the salary cap to assign him and not be penalized. So it's absolutely critical that the Jazz have his rights. And Jordan Clarkson, I was talking to a colleague of ours in the NBA this morning about him, uh, Gordon, was that uh, the Jazz need him. I mean, the reality is that the Jazz are uh, scoring a starvy team. So they, besides Donovan Mitchell, is absolutely sensational, and uh, Boyan Bondanovich. But they need Jordan Clarkson's skill set in a playoff game. So, for example, last year in the playoffs, meaning uh, two months ago, Jordan averaged 16.7 points per game. And that gave a, a, a great relief to Donovan Mitchell. And so probably for the Jazz to re-sign him, he made $13.4 million last year. So just for the discussion where the Jazz need him, and hopefully he likes Salt Lake City and he loves his teammates. The Jets probably can get him for, we'll say, $15 million times three years, uh, $45 million total. And then the fourth year, I'm sure, uh, maybe a player option. Coach Gordy Chiesa with us here on 97.5 in, in 1280 The Zone. I feel like we've got a ton of stuff to get to you uh, with you sure. today, Coach. But uh, give us kind of your final thoughts on the season we just saw come to pass and what you saw out of the playoffs. 
tremendous one. The NBA did a sensational job of making it work. Yes, they were like uh, the police force. They had to be, and they were able to pull it off, and the best team won, meaning the Lakers. And they played. They were, they were in a bubble for over 100 days. Now, Jake, this picture right now, you being with Gordon Munson for 100 straight days. <laughs> just picture that, oh, Jake, yeah. in your life. Uh, I can't, Coach. I, I, I don't want to. Right. Amen, brother. <laughs> so, which means that the Lakers, and again, I, I know when you're driving at I-15 right now, don't feel sorry for these guys. I get it. You're right. They're highly paid. I understand that. But the fact of the matter is that majority of that time, they're away from their families, away from their routine. And so for the, what the Lakers did was great. And how about Caruso? Jake, you and I have talked on the air during jazz games about Caruso, meaning Alex, how he was in the G League and that anybody could have had him two and a half years ago. And he wasn't even on the opening day with 13-man roster actively for the Lakers to start this season. He was on the team, but then wasn't on the roster as far as active, activated. In game six of a knockout game, he's a starting, uh, starting I'll call him a um, combo guard, hitting jumpers and uh, playing, playing a terrific defense. So the Lakers were the best team, and from the Jazz point of view, that's who they've got to catch up to. They've got to, they've got to keep adding pieces and experience and shooting to try to uh, compete with those teams. So, Gordy, if you, based on what you saw and what you've seen with the evolution of the Jazz, would you consider playing Donovan Mitchell at point guard and maybe adding some size to this team uh, at, uh, at the shooting guard? Correct. The answer is yes, I would. Donovan Mitchell is a basketball player. He's a combo guard with an incredible skill set of um, – scoring the ball, yet he does pass the ball. A lot of times he gets in trouble. I call it panic passing because there's very few options against the, the better teams. Again, I'm not talking about when you play lesser teams in, the, in the January and February. I get that. But I'm talking the playoff basketball. So, so they, Donovan is a point guard. Now, part of that, Gordon, in the narrative would be Michael Conley's contract one more year at $34.2 million. Yes, it's great to be an American. Yes, it is. It's that $34.2 million, then it's off the books, I'm assuming, next July, as far as the NBA season uh, ends, uh, again, July 2021. So I would consider that. And so that would give Donovan a mental health break during games to not be able to score the ball all the time. And he could be a more, even more effective scorer on the second side of the floor as the point go and the ball swung over to him. Coach Gordy Chiesa with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Um, Coach, Rudy Gobert is uh, has the opportunity to get a Supermax extension this offseason, which is uh, which is a lot of money and a lot of uh, percentage-wise of your salary cap. Now, I want to ask you uh, in hypothetical terms, because I don't know how the negotiations between Rudy and the Jazz are going. Maybe they, they want to give it all to him day one. I don't know. So I want to ask you a hypothetical how hard is it uh, on locker rooms or with players when they think their value is one thing and the team might think their value is something else? How difficult can that get sometimes? Extremely. And a lot of the times it's invisible. So often players in a game I call shoot angry. They shoot angry. When I get the ball, I'm going to shoot. When I get the ball, I'm going to uh, not pass right away. I'm going to hold it. And so what you want to do as far as get the majority of the contracts correct, 
towards winning. Now, let's right now define winning. Winning is important in the regular season, yes. But you're judged when you're a good franchise like the Utah Jazz, you're judged by playoff basketball. So with Rudy, you love him to death. He's a defensive force. He plays hard. He's homegrown. So that's, that's, that's wonderful. And he's a, he's a good teammate. And he has some skills defensively. And he did play well in the playoffs, averaging 16.7 points per game. But it's, but it's how he got them. He's a recipient scorer. So Jake and Gordon, usually speaking now, in a playoff games to win and advance, advance each round, are our three best guys on the fourth quarter better than your three best guys in the fourth quarter? And so Rudy would be the third best guy, but the concern is that he's not a scorer. You've got to be able to score the ball in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. So he's worth a lot of money, but Supermax is really it would handcuff the Jazz as they go forward to get other players they need to keep advancing. The West is loaded. I mean, you can make a narrative where there's really literally 13 teams next year that could make the playoffs. And the only two teams that, are, that probably unlikely would be, but possibly would be Sacramento Kings and the Minnesota Timberwolves. So but right now, 13 teams, you can make a, a narrative saying that these guys could make the eight seed or, or seven seed. So, Gordy, I wonder if, if Rudy's people understand what you just said. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I get it. Uh, and when, when you answered Jake's uh, original question, sometimes uh, that understanding gets a little blurry. But I wonder if he looks at it and understands, oh, yeah, I'm really valuable to this team. I'm important to this team, super important. But because of a certain limitation in my game, I'm willing to work with them so that maybe everything doesn't come my way as far as the money goes. That is correct. And also, this is almost a finished product. Rudy right now is at 27 years old, heading to 28. So generally speaking, this is who he's going to be. And that's good. So that's positive. So there's absolutely value for him in the league. And as far as in jazz, even better. But with that said, though, it comes down to you saw the – I know uh, – William Bondanovich didn't play. I get that. He averaged 20 points in a regular season. He's a knockdown shooter. So the Jets were missing one guy. But even with that, you still need more because the other teams have other good players and a different type of skill set. And that's what the Jazz, as they go forward, they go forward, that's what they need. Just generally speaking, the Jazz lost in the first round back-to-back years, lost in the first round three to, three to less four years. So that's how Dennis Lindsay thinks in the office, is that we lost, in a, we lost three out of the four, uh, four, last four years in the first round. So even though we have a great system, we have terrific coaching, we have a good bunch of guys that really get it, we need more. Now, a lot of so, it's what? The internal growth, yes. But even with that, you still need more. So I wonder, how, how would that negotiation go, Gordy, if, if you were going to do it? If you're Dennis Lindsay or Justin Zanuck and you're going in to talk to him and his folks, his people, how, how do you couch this? Just the way you just said it? Yes, absolutely. That's how you do it because there's respect involved. Hey, I'm not, respecting, I'm not disrespecting your game. I'm not dissing you. I'm just saying that 
this is who you are, and we like who you are, but we need a certain number where we can, we can uh, mutually agree upon, and then as we go forward, you'll be happy and we'll be happy as far as uh, with our group and uh, we get other guys because the ultimate goal is winning. I know it's, and I don't mean winning at all costs. That's not my point. I'm just saying is that when a, a locker room, the majority of contracts are in place towards towards the team success. That's when you're really good. And then also when your main guys are two-way players, both offense and defense, and then one more component of that, when your main guys play both ways plus they're pass happy, that's when you're really great. I just described LeBron James. He's an incredible talent, plus he's pass happy. You saw LeBron Gordon. He was passing the ball, the rock, to to the guy in the genie last year, Alex Caruso, like he was his best friend on the court. He made Matthew Dell of Dover three years ago a lot of money by passing the ball to Delhi. And so the, the learning point about that is that you've got to get players, you hope, like LeBron type, but he's, only once in, he's once in a generation. So you want to get guys that play like that, though, where they really pass happy, but they have talent. And that's Donovan right now. He is. But Donovan needs more. Coach Gordy Chiesa with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coach, you were on the personnel side for a really long time. How hard would it be? Or maybe it's easy. I don't know. How hard would it be to prepare for the draft? What, do you, what impact do you think this unique situation will have on the draft? It's unique very much. It's the first thing, that the coaches never see the college kids play. Do you realize that? In other words, other than Jazz for 16 years, I never saw the guys actually play live in a five-on-five ACC, Duke versus Carolina, Kansas, Kansas State, UCLA versus uh, USC. So what happens is that when the coaches are there watching the workouts, it's really the first time I call it kicking the tires, where you see someone up front with his long, lanky arms or those short arms or those high hips as far as uh, motion fluidity. And so the personnel people see them play all the time. So you've got to be able to have trust in them who they take most times with the teams that win successfully organizations the coaches aren't really involved in the draft. However, they're involved to the ultimate in free agency because no one knows better than the NBA coaches who has winning games in the NBA. So it's two different, uh, two different uh, narratives. Draft is for the personnel people. The free agency is for the personnel people, but also for the coaches. So, Gordy, given what you've said here and with your trained eye, have you seen any of these young jazz players who could help the jazz improve in the way you did describe? It's unlikely. And likely. So Royce O'Neal, for example, he's undrafted. Great. I love that guy. That guy on a, on a deep playoff team would be your eighth man. And you love him. Because the way he plays, he tries to battle LeBron. He tries to uh, body up on uh, Anthony Davis, and he's fighting, biting, clawing, and that's good. And he's a tiny three-point shooter. But his skills, if he's more of an eighth man of a, we'll say, a 52-win consistently team that goes minimum every year, wins the first round. So the Jazz have to improve uh, their bench. Again, it's who you play against. So a lot of times, you know, when you have a – you see, you only see your team play. You look at you, you look at it really differently when you have to have a big picture context of the other guys, and you have to be maniacal about studying the playoff teams of why they're good. 
So, for example, is that sort of jazz bench they have to improve? Coach, I understand you have a list for us today. Yes, and Jake, the segue is for the titles. Back in 1997 and 98, the Jazz went to the NBA Finals twice, and unfortunately, I lost four games to two, four games to two. Here is the list. The most NBA titles won by a franchise. And I narrowed it down, Jake. You had to win three titles on this list. There's only eight franchises. So here's the math, Gordon. There's 30 NBA teams, but there's only eight teams on this list as we speak right now with three NBA titles. Here we go. Tied with three are the Miami Heat, who last time won it in 2013. Tied with three also are the Fort Wayne slash Detroit Pistons, who won three championships. And by the way, Gordon Munson, I know you're a big historian. The Fort Wayne Pistons moved to Detroit in the 1957-58 season. Wow. <laughs> yeah, a long time ago. They won the championship, the Detroit Pistons, back in 2004, led by Chauncey Billups. I tied also with three uh, franchise championships. The Syracuse Nationals slash Philadelphia 76ers. The last time they won the championship, they won three. The last time was 1983, led by Julius Irving and Moses Malone. And I know, again, I know, Jake, you're a historian also. The Syracuse Nationals moved to Philadelphia for the 1963-64 season. All right. You know, wait, i got to interrupt here. Sure. That's, that 67 Sixers team was one of the best teams ever, wasn't it? That is correct. And for the listeners, I mean, I young, Gordon and I are showing our age right now, mm-hmm. is that the 67 team, uh, they beat the Celtics with Bill Russell and that crew, and that was one of the all-time greatest teams. Billy Cunningham, who is, a, is an NBA Hall of Famer, didn't even start on the team. <laughs> and that was in Wilton and the late great Hal Greer and the Lucius Jackson and all these guys, they had some crew, and so did the Celtics, but they're one of the all-time greatest teams. Mm-hmm. With four championships, and we, we all love these guys because they're where they play in the present tense, four championships, the San Francisco slash Golden State Warriors, four championships the last time, 2018. And by the way, they moved from Philadelphia to become the – uh, become the, uh, the the Warriors in San Francisco in the 1962-63 season. All right, with five championships, and we love these guys also, Jake, the San Antonio Spurs with five championships. The last time they won it was 2014. Number three, with six championships, the last time they won it was 1998. They've never lost in the finals. We all know them, the Chicago Bulls. All right, now tie for number one. The Minneapolis slash L.A. Lakers with 17 NBA titles, including the 2020 championship. And by the way, the Lakers also lost in the finals 15 times. So the next year is the 75th anniversary, not this season, but the 21-22 season. The Lakers have been in the NBA finals uh, as we speak right now, um, literally 33 times out of 75 years. So that's incredible. All right, the Celtics, 17 NBA championships tied with the Lakers most ever. They've been in four NBA finals. The last time they won it was 2008. Thus, that's my list of title franchises. Let's hope someday at the Utah Jazz join a list very quickly. 
Well, Coach, we love it when you have a chance to drop by the show. Thank you very much, as always, and uh, let's do it again soon. Thanks, God. You guys, peace out, too. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. That's our friend, Coach uh, Gordy Chiesa, longtime uh, jazz assistant coach, and then did a lot of other things uh, you know, on the personnel side around the league uh, as well. And I, uh, I really appreciate his perspective because he's, he's really seen it all. I really think that was an interesting answer Gordy had for his evaluation of the Jazz's younger players uh, that they he's not seeing uh, advancement uh, for the team to the level that it needs to advance in the West. I thought that was interesting, man, because he's got an eye that uh, you and I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I thought his stuff on Rudy um, was was really really good too. Where you have to kind of figure out a way to show respect and talk about a player's value at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah. th- that's a really frank conversation that has got to be really really difficult, and it goes on all the time in sports, right? And so I, I, I thought your take on it, it was a good one earlier in the show where, you know, Rudy went through a lot last year. And I wonder how that uh, what effect that had on his perspective. Yeah, that's a great question. And we haven't been uh, involved in any of the talking going back and forth. But maybe Rudy realizes that uh, what am I trying to do here? Do I want a few extra million dollars? Because I've put myself in a really unique situation to be able to go for the Supermax, but should he get the Supermax? It takes remarkable awareness for an individual to be able to look at that objectively and say, okay, what am I really? Uh, I'm really valuable in certain ways, but in other ways I, I, I don't have components to my game that might call for that kind of financial reward. Yeah, it's tough. Because, you know, I mean, Rudy wants it. Of course he does. Who, who, who wouldn't? And under the rules, he's qualified for it. That's what I mean. And yeah. it's really unique the right. way he did qualify for it because his game <laughs> I, how to say this respectfully, and that's what the Jazz are going to have to do, find a way to, to say it, but his game shouldn't call for it, really. Well, uh, look at a situation the Jazz encountered uh, very recently when George Hill, during the season, was negotiating an extension uh, with the Jazz. He liked it here. He was having success here. He wanted to be here. But it was uh, during a year where the cap jumped substantially because of the television money, and so his value, uh, a lot of people would have said, was kind of artificially high. Uh, you know, I heard some rumors on the numbers they were batting about uh, during the negotiation. It's not really relevant because the Jazz just said, "Hey, we can't, we can't do that. We can't give that to you. Uh, and if you can get it somewhere else, uh, well, go get it. But, but we can't do it here." And you don't think that had anything to do with his quote-unquote injury later in the year, do you? I would hope not. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that stuff came after the window for negotiation really had ended too, but I, I you know, I hope not. But it, it turned out that the the market for George Hill was not what he thought it was, and George actually fired his agent right before free agency began, it, which is a signal to me that he he regretted not having a more realistic uh, approach to what his value was. And I'm reading into that obviously, but th- those situations are tough. The Jazz didn't want to lose George Hill. He played really well for them when he was healthy. That's tough. It's tough. 
but because overpaying a guy makes it is is worse in the long run. You saw right. a big bloated long term deal. It, we saw it with Andre Karolinko. Oh yeah, that's yeah. how you that's how you totally uh, handcuff your team so that they cannot. Uh, it's one thing to be bad, but if you're bad and you can build, then you're all right. But if you have every, if you're all maxed out <laughs> and you're still not quite good enough, you are in no man's land, man. Because essentially, and this is oversimplifying it, but if you if you are good enough to be a supermax player and to get that deal, you better be able to do it alone. You better be good enough to win alone. Hmm. Because you, you just can't, you know, maybe you pay another guy, but then look at the rest of the team. It, it's, Houston, is that's the problem they're going through. James Harden, they got a supermax player, and uh, they got another. Uh, Russell Westbrook was not a supermax Maybe he was, but I don't think you can have two on the same team at the same time. I'll have to look into that. But anyway, maybe you can add another guy. But look at the rest of that team. There's nobody on it. Who's good enough to win by themselves? I can only think of one player. <laughs> LeBron, probably. Yeah. But even you know, even LeBron, I mean, that's tough. That's tough to be a one-man show. Mm-hmm. And, and Rudy's just not complete enough of a player to be that, in my opinion. Well, and coach talked the, about it, his ability, lack of ability to score. As we said, it comes down to, is that what Rudy's opinion is? And uh, what will his demands be? And who has Rudy's ear? That's another thing that you don't, you never right. know. That's the big wild card. Yeah. Who else is whispering at him? Right. Who, you know, you know if, you know, I, I know Rudy's close with his mom, so I'll, I'll use her as an example. Plus mothers are the biggest fans of their kids. Right. I mean, you know, what if his mom's saying, Hey, look, you're, you're, the, you're one of the best players on the planet. You're worth every nickel of that. Don't, don't you dare settle there, Rudy, you know, or maybe his agent or who knows. To date, only four NBA players have ever signed super max deals. Okay. Steph Curry, okay. Mm-hmm. James Harden, yep. John Wall, all right, and Russell Westbrook, yeah. So you can't have that two paid on the off team for those teams. Uh, Steph, I would say. James Harden, I would say. Wait, well, Steph, maybe they haven't won a title since he signed that deal. That's true. That's true. And I would say it hasn't paid off in Houston. Oh, I, I think they're doing fine financially there in Houston, thanks to James Harden's. Well, we're talking merchandise. about com- we're talking about competing. Yeah, here. on weird. the floor. Yeah, well, they were a, a CP3 hamstring away from, in my opinion, winning it all. I know, yeah, but that's they, such a hypothetical. But they, <laughs> I, they, I do agree with Austin. They were awfully close. Uh, of the four, I would say James Harden's been the most successful Supermax. I think it will end up being Steph. And John Wall, that's a disaster. His injury aside. So, yeah. was, so was Russell Westbrook to, th- it, right. to the Oklahoma City. Yeah. John Wall, though, I, I mean, if, if he would have stayed healthy, he wouldn't have been worth it. And Washington has gone nowhere fast And they're going to lose Bradley Beal. Well, they're 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 yeah. done. Yeah, man. You know, that's and, that's and, that's what's on the line, though. Right yeah, there. even when you look at a player like you, you were talking about with James Harden, Think about how problematic it is for the Rockets now to work around that yeah. uh, that kind of player. Now Rudy's a different deal. I get that, but uh, it, it's I'm telling you, if you're paying a supermax contract, that guy better be worth every penny of it. Yeah. And and I can only think of one guy who is, and that's LeBron. All right. Well, uh, there's a there's a bunch of tidbits I want to get to to in the world of sports, Gordon, that I find entertaining uh, that happened over the weekend and happened today. Can we get to a little uh, smorgasbord of stuff coming up next? Yeah, let's do it. 
Uh, Frank Dolce will be with us at 4, so make sure and stay tuned for that. I want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon, let's let's hit on a few interesting things from the world of sports here in this segment. Let's start with uh, uh, Dodgers-Rays Game 4. Now, of oh, course, wow. uh, your Dodgers won Game 5 and lead the series three games to two. Um, but Game 4, I that play, I, I don't know if I've seen that wild of ending to a <laughs> like championship series or even throw in the Super Bowl or whatever. The only thing I can come up with is the Miami Heat coming back against the Spurs with Ray Allen's shot and LeBron's block, right? That that mm-hmm. wild finish is is the only thing that I can think of as a wilder finish to a more or to a, as important a game as that just to if you haven't seen it which uh, I'm guessing most everybody has cuz it was it was all over the place but Brett Phillips reserve outfielder for the Rays <laughs> gets a hit off the Dodgers closer just a just a a, a, a regular Texas leaguer base hit runners on first and second so you know that runner on second is going to score so it, it's going to very least tie the game then center fielder Chris Taylor just Boots it. I love that word for an error, by the way, a boot. Just boots it. I mean, like, amazing. Talk about like a like a, a horrible error at the worst possible time. Just boots it. So, of course, he then throws it in to Max Muncy, who's the first baseman, who has, what a relay. Textbook relay. That's what that's what you show your, your little leaguers, folks. I mean, just an amazing relay. So and? They had uh, Randy, a Rosarina, uh, Dead to rights. I mean, that that play wasn't even going to be close at home. And then we were going to go into another inning, obviously. But Will Smith. Snow killing, where to go? Will Smith just boots it again. I mean, just (laughs) boots it again. A Rosarina who had fallen. He had Daniel Jones'd himself. The reason he was dead to rights at home plate is because he fell rounding third. So he gets up thinking, oh, crap, I got to run back to third. And then he goes, wait, Will Smith booted it. (laughs) And then I loved it that he just laid on home plate. (laughs) And the Rays win. What a, what a catastrophe. There was one good play on that play, and it was Max Muncy. Everyone else that, was awful. Max Muncy, yeah. way, to, way to turn that. Way to, I mean, that just a textbook turn from the first baseman, too, who doesn't do that a lot. Uh, pretty amazing. But everybody else, uh, oh, and, uh, and Brett Phillips, who got the hit. Sure. But everybody else, huge fail. Huge All fail. Ought to be know, ashamed of themselves. You knew that was really heavy on their minds coming into game five because it seemed like the Dodgers were pretty aggressive out the gate. But they were really bothered, and they should be. But what an ending. Oh, man, that two, was crazy. Two errors to lose the game. Uh, and that's and what a the, third with the runner. But the runner but also falling charged, down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Amazing to to lose a World Series game. I I feel safe in saying this. The Dodgers lost that one. (laughs) I guess you could say The Rays didn't win it? The Rays did not win that one. The Dodgers lost that game. You know, wow. but they but they pressured the Dodgers into those mistakes. No, they didn't. Was, well, they didn't kind of a little bit. The, the center fielder boots a play he's well, made okay. a thousand times in his career. The catcher just forgets how to catch the ball. <laughs> it was right in his glove. It was where'd right he go? There. Where'd he go? He I mean, started, where'd he go? He started his popped tag. right out. This is this is basic little league stuff. He started his tag before the ball was in his mitt, and, yeah. and mostly because he had no idea that a Rosarina was. Doing push-ups halfway between home and third. <laughs> yeah, but they, the fact that he, the fact that the Rays were being aggressive like that, uh, may have caused the Dodgers to panic a little bit. Being aggressive—that's a no-brainer. That's not aggressive. If there's an error <laughs> on a routine play in the outfield and you're on first, you better score. The only, the only right. one who's not scoring on that is Cecil Fielder. <laughs> All right, so Cecil makes so, it to so, second. So oh, this is so this is so, this is so classic, Jake, looking for people to blame. But I, I will say this, Mr. Baseball, that kind of ending, what does that teach you? Because usually those situations are hopeless, right? You're going to lose. But baseball has a way of creating these situations that that it, every once in a while. Uh, create within you, if you're a fan, enough hope to believe it might, it might happen. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, are you answering the question he asked me? No, I just wanted your opinion since you're a big baseball. Uh, my fan. my opinion of watching that as much of a circus as it was, and quite embarrassing play by three players involved on that on that moment. Uh, that is why baseball playoffs is king. That is why you have to watch the World Series. Okay, wait. I, you know what? This this was different than the Miami one, though, because the Miami one was basically good stuff happening. Like the, the Miami made those crazy plays to win it. This this would be like the Miami situation if uh, Kawhi Leonard repeatedly punched himself in the face <laughs> to lose the game. I mean, two of the most egregious errors of the whole season coming on the same play in Game Four of the World Series. It, it, that is wild. It reminded me of the J.R. Smith moment. Okay, all right. Where the the Cavs get the rebound, and you're like, oh, they're going to do this, and then he just runs the clock out. Okay, okay, that's (laughs) better. Completely forgets how to play basketball. That's a better comparison, maybe. And the only reason Chris Taylor was in the game in center field was because the reigning NL MVP couldn't get his boo-boo back into center field for a moment. (laughs) Poor baby Bellinger. Okay, so I I, I come on nothing. He's the MVP. This is the this is the World Series. This isn't Game Eight of 164. Come on, get your butt into center field. Uh, All right, one more baseball related story, Gordon, and then this is uh, this is. By the way, by the way, the Dodgers do bounce back to take Game Five. Yeah, who cares? And and well, Gordon does. He cares. He cares. No, no. I mean, I don't know Clayton Kershaw. I I have not uh, interviewed him or talked with him. Is he a decent dude? Uh, The seventeen times I've been to his house, I know. I had had dinner with him last week. (laughs) Seems like a great guy. Real family oriented. We went to Chili's. I'm just trying to decide whether anyone should be happy for him. 
uh, now that he's, you know, having such a fine postseason, the, the knock on him was that he's he's great during a regular season and he has bad luck or bad fortune or is just plain bad in the postseason. Well, you know he's done a lot to earn that reputation, right? And that one game doesn't necessarily offset all of that evidence. Well, it's yeah, like one game. He's, he he's, like, he's like four and one in the postseason this year. Uh, okay. it, this, this, this year's postseason for Clayton Kershaw was the Masters for Phil Mickelson, in my opinion. One, they're two of the best to ever do it in their sport, and they would not have gotten the love if they had continued to fall fa- on their face like a Rosalina. They had to get over the hump. And I think he's made it. I mean, yeah. Well, if they win. Sure looks like it. And, and he didn't have his best stuff last night, but he, he powered through that. And although the scruffy look with the scra- scruffy beard and the long hair, I think is, is not a good look for him. But uh, overall, uh, I was happy to see a great pitcher have something Good happened to him in the postseason. Okay, so uh, this this next story, real quick, Gordon, and uh, the politics is involved in this story, but uh, I, I just have a question for you. Okay. Okay. So you know, Steve Cohen, the the gazillionaire, uh, is trying to buy the Mets, right? Mm-hmm. So news today, he's uh, he's got the twenty three votes required to approve his purchase of the Mets. So the 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 ball is moving, kind of. All right. The one thing now standing in the way of Cohen buying the Mets is? Want to take a guess? No. You tell me. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio. What's he doing? So uh, here's here's the thing. The city owns the land where City Field is, is the, mm-hmm. the building's built on, right? Mm-hmm. And in the lease for the land, there's language written into the, into the contract that says the mayor uh, basically has the option to kill, kill the deal. Yeah, I don't Here's like what that. it says. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio has the legal authority to block the Mets sale to Steve Cohen. Uh, the city field lease negotiated under the Will Ponds gives the mayor the ability to, quote, prohibit the sale of the team to a prohibited person, unquote. So that's that's the official language. Here's uh, here's uh, Mayor de Blasio's comment on the matter. He said, quote, this is something our law department is evaluating. We're going to get a resolution on this very quickly because the land that City Field is on belongs to the city, unquote. So my question to you is, Gordon, why, uh, what reason could the mayor have to not just rubber stamp this? And to take it even further, is he soliciting a bribe? (laughs) Well, my answer to the first question would be no, none. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I saw that, and I was like, wait a minute. You're going to refer it to your legal what? What are you talking about? <laughs> wait, answer the second part of the question. Yeah, wait, is, is, you think he's got his hand out? You think it's one uh, of those things like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to put my legal team on it for now, but what I'm really going to do is send a guy over to your office tomorrow morning at around 9. <laughs> and, with a big uh, envelope. With a deposit envelope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with uh, one of those. And then, and then when that safely gets back to City Hall, I'd be happy to go ahead and get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> the motto, I mean, the, the, I guess the lesson here is that if you can get in the way and it's profitable, right. then get in the way. That's what I'm saying, because I read this yeah. and I was like, wait, this is so stupid. Yeah. yeah. Just, I, just go it, ahead and rubber stamp that. Or else he's yeah. so attention hungry, he just wants to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, uh, no national story about New York is going to go down without me. <laughs> yeah. There's no reason for him to get in the way. This is something our law department is evaluating. And by law department, I mean our bag man. (laughs) My bag man. (laughs) Bag man Esquire to you.
<laughs> All right, stay tuned. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Frank Dolce coming up at the top of the 4 o'clock hour, our Ute Insider. But we'll get to, we'll get Frank's thoughts on uh, what he saw in the, uh, the across college football as well. And maybe even we can run some uh, some NFL thoughts by him. I thought this was the most NFL, uh, entertaining week of uh, NFL football that we had, uh, that we've had thus far. There was some. That. There was just some really, really great games, right? Right down to the most Cleveland Browns way to win a football game ever. Did you pay attention to the uh, the Browns and the um, Cincinnati Bengals, Gordon? I saw the highlights, but I didn't watch the game. So it was thirty-seven to thirty-four. Now, can you uh, do you know what uh, the Magic Wizard in Vegas set the line at uh, before the game? <laughs> was it three? Three and a half. Uh-huh. Three and a half. So the Browns win, but Cody Parkey, their uh, their kicker, uh, missed a forty-seven yard field goal with eleven points or eleven seconds to go. He's good at that. So, uh, in the most Browns way to win a game ever, they don't cover the three and a half. And there were some. I don't know if you saw. There's some videos out there of Browns fans still very angry <laughs> after watching that game. Because he just what a meaningless field goal, meaningless, totally just hey let's 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 give it a practice, and he and he went out there and missed a forty five yard field goal. Was that it forty seven or forty seven yard field goal? Well, forty seven is not a gimme. No, but come on, in the if NFL, is an NFL kicker. If you it should was be like knocking a, down. yeah, I agree with you. I mean that, that's a, that's certainly makeable. But if it was like a thirty three yarder and he missed that. Then I would start asking questions. Now, with how skinny those hash marks are in the NFL, that's you need to be making a 47. Yes, cut him today. Yeah. If you can't <laughs> knock down a no-pressure 47-yarder, I don't want you on my team. Maybe he had bet that they wouldn't cover. That's what I'm saying. Well, first of all, is uh, some point-shaving yeah. situation going on here. But then, speaking of uh, missed field goals, uh, your, your boy Gostkowski for the Titans. Oh, I, don't, I can't talk yeah, about it. Yeah, uh, I wanted to ask how long was that one, that. Austin? Not, I don't know. But it, the, 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 he wins Super Bowls for the Patriots, then comes to the Titans and just farts away wins. Yeah, he struggled. Hasn't it wasn't it? the only one he missed, right? Right. Yeah, he's, he's kind of lost it, He's right? not good at kicking the football. It's, it's interesting how uh, mentally when it leaves you. I mean, kicking's kind of like... I don't know what you want to kind of like golf in that way, where if you get the shanks, if you just lose it, you know, it's the yips. I, it's funny because I've talked to a lot of kickers uh, and me with my kicking background, as you know, I, I uh, extensive. Uh, it's it is like golf. You know, a lot of the same principles apply. Uh, the the bills and the jets was terrible. Wait, wait, and wait, wait I wanna, the- uh, hold on. I want to say something else about Austin's Titans. That team might be for real. I, I thought the Steelers might just roll on by them, but no, that, that team's good. You know what they are? I think they're the University of Utah of the NFL. They're going to play really good defense. They're going to play physical. They're well coached. I think Vrabel is a really good coach. They've got a monster running back and a great running game, and they've got a quarterback who's good, who's not awesome but good. 
good enough to win you a game when you need it. Are you, uh, Austin, are you upset about, obviously you don't like the loss, but uh, are you encouraged by what that team might be capable of? Uh, if they, so I'm glad to have your praise on the Titan side uh, after that loss, but the way they lose it, uh, you, you can't, you cannot say, oh, that's, that team's for real. They're going to go all the way if they can't kick a field goal. That, that comes up so much, especially in the playoffs. You got to have a guy you can trust and they don't. So um, you're not, you're not encouraged. I'm encouraged by Tannehill. I thought he was a terrible decision that they made. And that was a really good signing. It looks like. And then the, the the night game, Cardinal Seahawks was awesome. What a great yeah. game! Uh, Kyler Murray might be better than I I was giving him credit I owe, for. I owe him an apology. I, I do. Did you see that close up of him when he smiled because he knew he had one on one coverage on the outside, and you could see it. You could see him almost laugh before he <laughs> he threw an absolute freaking dime. Uh, he he's a he's a stud. And and of course. Uh, what was in TJ Metcalf? That was DK. The, oh, DK. 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 Oh, DK Metcalf. What a play. That David James, I thought, uh, described it perfectly. He said it looked like an 11th grader running down a seventh <laughs> grader. <laughs> well, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bubba Baker. What's his Buda name? Baker. The, but, well, yeah, he, he, I mean, it's not like this guy's dragging no, a caboose really behind good. him. Yeah, he's awesome. But no, but to watch that play and to see how far behind Metcalf started. I mean, that was I could I watched that play probably ten times. I I love it how Russell Wilson gave up on the play and DK was like out of my way, Russell. As he almost like pushes him aside. I'm gonna go chase this guy down now. Watch Did a this. swim move around this quarterback. So and he and he's he's got good size too. He's huge. Yeah, because Buda Baker is not a small guy, and he looked like a small guy. And you know he what? D, you know what DK Metcalf said on Twitter last week? What? He's a big fan of what's happening with the Titans. Really? Which I took note of. So is so in that play, uh, Metcalf ran 22 and a half miles per hour. Wow. Yeah. And he ran 114 more, yards on the play. It was uh, I think it was 22.6 something, so it was even faster than that. So it's, well, by a fraction. Yeah, Excuse Jake. Me. Uh, uh, You're always <laughs> taken away from players' accomplishments, Jake. Uh, I mean, isn't that, isn't, that, isn't that how fast a horse runs? Or not? No, a horse is faster. I that, would right? think they should be faster. Well, at 22 and a half miles an hour, as you said, it, it, that, that's, I mean, uh, maybe maybe Jake can run that fast, but I, you know, I, that sounds very impressive to I me, was, especially in full ge- football uniform. It's not like he was wearing track clothes. And then another couple of things from uh, uh, from the NFL. Um, I, I don't care for the Chiefs, but anytime you see the donks get hammered, uh, that's a good thing. And by the way, thank thank you, David James and CBS, for giving us that game yesterday. Awesome, just terrific. Uh, and then uh, I like watching the Patriots lose too, so that was fun. They got stomped yeah. by the Niners. And, and I'll uh, tell you, Cam is uh, Cam's in. Is he how much trouble is he in there? Well, three, three interceptions did not look good. Got the, benched. But the, did you see what Jarrett Stidham did? Yeah. <laughs> Where he tripped <laughs> over his own feet twice? No, the the book on Cam is there there's so many of these players out there in college. The book on Cam is if you if you let him run around, he's going to he's going to demolish you because he's the size of a Mack truck and he's impossible to bring down. But if you keep him in the pocket and make him make him throw, He's not. He's just not a great passer. He never has been a great passer, but he's such a a, a superhuman athletically that is, for a couple of years there in Carolina, you know, you could scheme whatever defense you want, and he was just going to run over you. 
But now that maybe some of the athleticism is gone and maybe the book on him is a little bit uh, longer, I mean, if you make him be one-dimensional and be a passer, he's not gonna he's not gonna get it done. How many teams were inter- wanted him? None. One. Yeah, one. Yeah. Uno. That's, so I wonder if that's what the scouting is on him. So and then I thought for about eighteen seconds that we had. Gordon owing us incriminating audio this week, but turns out we don't. Yeah, Gordon did not pick the Panthers. He picked the Saints. But that game was close, too. Very close. Yeah, closer than I thought. Did you see, uh, did you see the highlight of Teddy Bridgewater when he ran to the sideline and he went and sat in between, like at his old quarterback bench in between, <laughs> uh, was it Breeze and Taysom Hill? Yep, right there by him, yeah. Sat down and said, oh, hey, guys, I've been here before. <laughs> oh man so i i thought a wildly entertaining week in the uh the nfl uh again just to reiterate wish the afternoon game wasn't the chiefs and the broncos but what are we halfway now in the nfl year uh let's see. Yeah. that was week seven yeah but and oh, there's 16 total games played right so mm. Uh, and then your uh, so Monday night quite halfway, but. Monday night football game tonight. Uh, the surprising Bears going up against the Rams of Los Angeles. Gordon's team before he jumped the bandwagon to the Chiefs. You know, if I know Austin right, he probably hates the Rams because of how much golf is making. Right. Uh, I hate everybody that makes more money than me. So you're right. <laughs> well, that's everybody in the league, isn't it? Yep, sure, sure, sure is. Don't like, don't like a one of them. Every league, you name the league. <laughs> don't like them. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. Our youth insider, Frank Dolce. I joins, hate that guy. He makes six times what I make. <laughs> Next, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone.